Let's talk about it. That's the title of the message I just share with our Locust Hill Church family. We're walking through the book of Acts. We're in just our second week of walking through the text after a couple of setup weeks. So here's my challenge to capture in about 12 minutes or so all that impacted my life and study over the past week as I prepared to preach this chapter. And if there's anything that stands out to you, you can go to our Locust Hill Baptist Church website or our Facebook page and you can watch the full sermon there. So what was happening in Acts chapter 2? While the crowd swelled to 5,000 plus throughout the ministry of Jesus, in Acts chapter 2, we're looking at just 120 faithful followers. And in Acts chapter 2, these faithful followers experienced the remarkable experience of God's Spirit arriving. And what's clear in the coming of the Holy Spirit is this. In the coming of the Holy Spirit, we're commissioned and compelled to share the story. As we consider the work of the Holy Spirit across the Bible, there are really three key texts that help us to observe the work of the Spirit. Eugene Peterson writes about this in his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. He talks about in that book, the beginning of creation, Genesis 1, the beginning of salvation, Mark 1, and we see this in the Gospels, and then the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2. So you see three beginnings that the Spirit is involved in, the beginning of creation, salvation, and the church. Here in Acts, the Holy Spirit takes center stage 56 times or so, more than anywhere else in the Bible the Spirit is referred to. And so in this message today at Locust Hill, I shared several let's talk about it statements. And the first one that I talked about was this, let's talk about the power of God. And the text for this is based on Acts 2, 1 through 4. Feel free to pause this and read the text if you'd like to. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And so this small band of faithful followers, they're now gathered together in the upper room. And here was the setting. On the 50th day after Passover, the Feast of Pentecost was observed in the Jewish calendar as a celebration of the harvest and also a celebration of the giving of the law to Moses. So you have two back-to-back feasts, Passover and first fruits, and then this was the first feast after Passover weekend. So there would have been another migration of people back into Jerusalem. And on this day, the breath of God that spoke the law to Moses, which was what was observed, what was celebrated in this feast, that same breath of God that spoke the law to Moses was now the rushing wind of his presence. And we can quickly observe the difference that was made in the lives of all of these as the Spirit came. These first followers walked alongside Jesus, but now they would walk by the Spirit. And so as the Spirit fell on them, it happened in community, an experience in community. You know, this is something I really tried to emphasize in the message today, that it was no accident that the Holy Spirit came while the followers of Jesus were together Could the Spirit have come as they were all in their own homes? Yes. But when the Spirit of God is at work, the Spirit always unites. The gathered community of Christ followers were united by the presence of the Spirit. 
The power and presence of God's Spirit was first experienced in community with others. And as they gathered in community in one place, they witnessed the power of God shown in the clear demonstration of His activity. And on that day, it was sound and sight and speech, the sound of a rushing wind, the image of fire resting on them, and the sound of distinguishable languages flowing out of their mouths so they could see the evidence of the power of God at work. And on this very unfamiliar day, a very familiar image was used. The community knew well the image of fire as a symbol of the presence of God, the fire of the altar and the sacrifice. And there are lots of examples of this. Abraham at Moriah, Aaron in the tabernacle, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And so these were stories that they knew well, and they knew the observances within the temple. The sacrificial system prepared them to encounter a holy God. But this fire was different. It wasn't restricted to an altar in a temple. Instead, it was distributed to them as it rested on each of them. And so rather than a temple or ceremony, now their lives, their lives were the place of God's dwelling. And so in 15, 16 different languages, the spoken word of God through the spirit of God active throughout the Bible is now the empowering presence of God that leads believers to speak the truth of God. And so just to summarize these first observations here, we can talk about the power of God. But also what we see here is talking about the mighty works of God. And that's the second thing that I talked about in the message. And this point comes from Acts chapter 2, both the coming of the Holy Spirit, but also looking at Peter's sermon. And you can read that in your Bible. But really what is on display here is the mighty works of God. They're being declared in their own language. They clearly understood what was being shared. And the only response that could be given that day was, these people must be drunk. Even though it was nine in the morning, that was their explanation. And really, we ought to say, well, of course it was their explanation, because we see this trend all throughout Scripture. In Romans chapter 1, we see this, the suppressing of the truth of God and exchanging it for a lie. And so here you see that same default. This can't be the work of the divine, and so they must be drunk at nine in the morning. Well, the same Peter who failed so miserably in the conclusion of the Gospels, now he becomes the spokesperson for the group by the Spirit of God. And Peter began sharing the amazing story of the mighty works of God. And we don't have time to get into all of that in the short amount of time that I have in this quick recording. And so let me just give a quick summary here. Peter shared the amazing story by quoting from the Old Testament. If you look in your Bible, you see those references there. Peter quoted from the Old Testament in order to show that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. And Peter's example really tells us a great story. Peter is clearly the example of the Spirit's power. What was promised in Acts chapter 1, which was this, when the Spirit came, he would empower the disciples as witnesses. That's demonstrated by Peter. Luke wanted his readers to see in Peter the great contrast. The same Peter whose failures were chronicled in the gospel, well, now you could see in Peter's bold witness the Spirit had come, and it changed everything. And what did Peter do? He shared the story. Folks, we know the story. If you've grown up or you've been a believer for very long at all, you know the story. And to illustrate that, one of the 
resources that we are using in our church on Wednesday evenings, we've been walking through Jeff Vanderstelt's work, Gospel Fluency. And in that book, he talks about four questions that can be used with any Bible study. We study the Bible and we ask, who is God? What has God done? Who are we? And how do we live? Peter stood before them and he quoted from Scripture and he pointed all of the attention to Jesus. But it wasn't just about information, and that's the key. It's about transformation. And that's what we talk about a lot at our church. Our purpose statement is change lives, changing lives. And so to wrap up the message today, that's where I shifted our focus, that it's all about the change that comes as a result. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about changed lives. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Why did they need to be cut to the heart? They needed this response of repentance, brokenness, because of the vast divide that had become so obvious to them. I was reading in a new book by Amy Gannett called Fix Your Eyes, and she talks about this vast divide. It says, you and I also live east of Eden, talking about the impact of the fall. But we live on the other side of this promise's fulfillment. We live our daily lives in the aftermath of God's promise kept in Christ. In Jesus, we know God's abundant faithfulness. He did bring the fullness of God's presence to earth. He did die our death and raise to life again so that we might know God personally, fully, and relationally. And so what did Peter do? He stood up and he shared the message. He gave the story of the gospel. Well, I want to bring to a close just my summary of the message today. Here's a word that really stood out to me from the book called Kingdom Life. Dallas Willard said this. He said, The complexity of the kingdom is the vastness and infinite beauty of God's realm that we will be discovering for all of eternity. The simplicity is that we discover all of the complexity of the kingdom by simply following Jesus. As we follow him, we're also formed in him. That's the key. Peter stood before them, and what was the question of the crowd? They said, what shall we do? And the very clear instruction was this in verse 38 of chapter 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Why repentance? Because it involves turning away from the pattern of this world to a new alignment, Jesus' example, and our quest to obey all that he commanded. And so in verse 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. If you're a follower of Christ, the response to this message, even this quick summary, is clear. Is the message of Jesus and the daily opportunity to abide in him still cutting to the heart? That's the response of the crowd, and that needs to be our response as well. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, the invitation is clear and urgent. Repent believe and be baptized. Turn away from the values of this world as you embrace Jesus Christ as one, the hope of your salvation, and two, the one who will guide your life. 
I want to thank you for listening to this quick snapshot of the message. I invite you to join us on Sundays at 10:15 a.m. as we study the Word together. And then on Sunday evenings, we gather for a short meal at 5 o'clock. And then I offer 10 to 12 discussion questions to facilitate interaction with the text and others. I invite you to join us at Locust Hill or whatever Bible teaching church is nearby you.